And it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Please keep your Bibles open. Kenny's going to come up to us and preach, and Nat is going to go out with the kids to Sunday school. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, can I ask everyone to keep your Bibles open? I mean, we, we really will touch um, Romans chapter 1, I guess, up to chapter 4. But we will, our, our reading is sort of towards the end of what we will be doing. Well, let me quickly pray for us and then we can start. Father, I do pray that uh, you would help us understand how good you are to us through this text. Amen. On the final day when the Lord Jesus returns, he will judge the living and the dead. And here's my question for you. Are you ready to stand before God on Judgment Day? Are you ready to stand before God on Judgment Day? The passage we are looking at comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Roman Church. And this letter in the beginning, in chapter 1, just after Paul greets them and prays for them, he begins with this declaration, which I'm sure is familiar to uh, many of you. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith the word I want you to focus on is this word uh, righteous because it's heavily tied with the word that we're looking at which is justification Throughout the letter, you'll notice that uh, Paul mentions the word righteous quite a lot. And on the verse that follows, Paul says this, on verse 18 of chapter 1, he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now, who exactly are the ungodly or unrighteous that this passage talks about? Well, um, Paul writes quite a bit of stuff on who those people are, okay? But the summary really is when we get to chapter 3, where Paul quotes a psalm, and it says this in Romans chapter 3 from verse 10, it says this, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. If that is not clear enough, Paul continues on verse 23 of chapter 3. And on verse 23, he says this, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, 
all of humanity is under God's judgment because we are declared unrighteous whether you are rich or poor religious or non-religious whatever race you are whether you are a criminal or you see yourself as a victim whether you give to charity volunteer at church or you know about the Bible or not God has declared condemnation to all unrighteous people which is all of humanity God has declared the whole humanity guilty and is worthy of condemnation because we sinned against each other and against God. How we ignored God and robbed Him of His rightful glory. We are declared before God guilty for condemnation. In other words, we are destined for hell. So let me ask you again, on the day... The Lord Jesus returns. Are you ready to stand before God on Judgment Day? Some might say, well, I, I, I don't quite agree with what you just said. Uh, I think uh, maybe I, I've scored enough points or something like that. That is uh, pro- perhaps one of the most common um, uh, arguments that people would tell you, wouldn't they, if you spoke to them on the street or something? Well, no, I, I don't quite agree I'm on that category. I think uh, uh, I might have done enough. Well, uh, I, I, I suppose what, one of the exercises that we often do, which is quite helpful, is to measure ourselves against God's standards. And um, kindly, God gave us uh, His standards in, um, in a simple way, you know, the Ten Commandments. And it's almost like if you go through that list and you try to see where you are in God's standards. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods but me. I, I wonder if that is, um, that's something that applies to you. As in, did you worship any other god? Perhaps it's the god of money or power or career or sex. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Maybe you idolize a sports person or a celebrity or maybe you idolize yourself. You shall not dishonor the name of the Lord your God. Have you ever said the words OMG? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Whether you see Sabbath as a Sunday or a Saturday. Do you keep it holy as in you keep it separate for God? Honor your father and mother. Have you... Dishonored your parents in any way. You shall not commit adultery or you shall not murder. And Jesus emphasizes on this when he says in the New Testament, anyone who hates a brother or looks another at another person lustfully is breaking those commandments. Hate is a form of murder in your heart. Lust is a form of adultery in your heart. You shall not steal Piracy is quite common. You shall not lie. You shall not covet anything which belongs to your neighbor. As in you shall not want something that doesn't belong to you. I think if we were honest with ourselves, then we would have broken at least one of those commandments. Which means we fall short of 
God's standards. And those are just ten. <laughs> Which makes us unrighteous. God, the creator and giver of life, gave us all a conscience. So even if we claim that we didn't know those commandments, the law is written in our hearts. So we know what we needed to do and we knew what we shouldn't be doing. To understand justification, we must understand that we are unrighteous before God. We must understand that we are unrighteous before God. The just thing to do by our maker is to condemn us for our sins, for the hurt that we caused our world, the people around us, and of course the hurt that we caused our God. In, in many religions uh, today, um, you'll find uh, that there is one thing that they often have in common. And that is, you have to do something to be righteous before their God. You have to do something. You know, that is a common thing in many religions. Um, you have to do something to be able to attain that level of righteousness or uh, that level of consciousness. In, in some religions. But doing these things with our own efforts, whether that's good works or meditation or whatever, to solve our spiritual debt is no different to broke governments. I don't know if you pay much attention to news with the countries like Zimbabwe or Argentina or Venezuela, you know, where they experience hyperinflation. As in, uh, a piece of fruit costs cost millions. And because they are in debt, and how they solve this debt is that they just print more money. But printing money doesn't fix the debt. All it does is that it causes inflation. You know, so they're just trying to print more money, but it's not solving anything. That is almost like what you're doing when you are trying to pay for your spiritual debt to God through your own efforts. You're trying to do stuff, but you can never quite keep up with the amount of debt that you have. You know, we're constantly sinning. We're in a cycle of sin. And even when we declare ourselves righteous, when we say we can attain the righteousness that you want from me, God, through my own efforts, we are calling God a liar, which is a sin in itself. It is not enough For God to say, you are righteous enough for my kingdom because God's standards is perfection. It's not our standards. We cannot just fit God and say, God, accept what I have to offer you. No, God says, this is what I want. And this is how I define righteousness. You either meet it or not. And imagine on that day when you stand before the throne of God. He sits on his throne. Perhaps he singles you out. He clicks his fingers and right over there on that projector screen, your whole life just played before you. Every word, action and thought that you ever did. Played before your eyes. Those that you did. When you thought no one was looking. 
played right there. And I wonder, would you still claim to be righteous before God? As I say, if we are to be honest with ourselves, there would be a certain part of our lives that we prefer to keep buried. I'm for sure that is the case for myself. And we have to acknowledge that we often do the wrong thing, and it's better to acknowledge that now and confess our sins before a holy God than than to face him unprepared. Because the truth of the matter is, if we stand in our own righteousness, then we will fall. I suppose the question that we must all ask, and I hope the answer to this question is uh, obvious to, um, to the people in this room as we were singing those songs. And, and the question is this, how can we stand righteous before God? If we cannot stand righteous before God through our own efforts, how can we stand righteous before God? In other words, how can we be justified before Him? To answer this question, let's uh, look at, at, at the man in the, the Bible where, that we just read about. The, um, this man, Abraham, whom God has declared righteous. Um, that's why I thought uh, we'd look at just the beginning of Romans chapter 4 because it talks about this man Abraham. Abraham uh, was called out by God from the land of Ur, which uh, is modern day Iraq. And God told him to go where he wants him to go. God said, Go there. And uh, I promise you, land, many descendants. And a blessing to you. And you will be a blessing to many nations. That's what God said to Abraham. And listen to this. The, the text on chapter 4 says this. And I want you to pay close attention. Because it's related to righteousness. It says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him. As righteousness. So here is a man. Who was declared righteous before God. Now what exactly is the point of this story? The the point that Paul is making is very simple. Firstly, yeah, Abraham was declared righteous. Remember the question, how do we stand righteous? How can we stand righteous before God? And here, we see here, this man being declared righteous. How did he become righteous? Was it something he, he did? No. Verse 2, it's clear, right? On, on, on verse 2. It says, therefore, if Abraham was justified by works, as in by what he has done, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And then it says there that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was his belief that God, that, that gave him the righteousness. It was the thing that God looked at. And that's how he was declared righteous. And if we carry on reading, we will skip a little bit and we go to verse 9. Verse 9 to 12, we will read that. It says this, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? 
Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Well, I'm I'm reading it aloud, and you notice the word circumcision quite comes up uh, quite a lot on. On, uh, on those verses. Now, for a little context, circumcision was a big deal to the Jewish nation, okay, because it was the practice that they did to make them distinct from all other people. Uh, now, many believed, uh, uh, the Jews believed that being circumcised was what made you righteous before God because you are part of uh, God's community. You know, you are separate from others, you are part of God's community when you are, um, when you are circumcised. And uh, basically, they came up with this uh, uh, idea that, you know, that is part of what they ought to be doing to be righteous before God, to be acceptable before God. But Paul in this chapter tells everyone that before Abraham did anything, before Abraham did anything like circumcision, or indeed even before the nation of Israel existed, Abraham was declared righteous by God by the simple virtue that he believed God's promises. Okay? He put his faith in God and trusted God at his word. Therefore, righteousness came to him by believing God and trusting him when God said to him to do something. And if you carry on um, reading the rest of the chapter, You'll find that it talks heavily about Abraham's faith in God, how he believed in God, how he relied and trusted in God, even when things seemed uh, impossible. And the summary of Abraham's life really is on uh, verse 20 of the chapter where, where it says, verse 20 to 22. Listen to this. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he, he grew strong in his faith. As he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Well, let's pause there for a moment and reflect on, on this man, Abraham. This man who is given to us as an example of a righteous man. Here is an old man. He was 75 years old when God called him. God promised him that he will give him land, but Abraham has never seen this land. He just took God at his word, and yet he believed God. God promised him that he will be a father of many nations. Though he is old and his wife is old and his wife cannot have children, she is barren. And when God performed a miracle so that Um, they could have a child. God tested his faith in Mount Moriah by telling him to sacrifice his son, but he still obeyed God. Of course, it never happened. But he obeyed God because he thought to himself, God can raise people from the dead. 
This man in the early days of the Bible, Paul tells us, was declared righteous by God because of his faith, how he looked forward to the promises of God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's what it says. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he has promised. And God credited that to him as righteousness. God declared him righteous because he trusted God. And here, you might be thinking, whoa, hang on a minute. How is this relevant for us? Well, here is where um, Paul relates it to us. Um, If we now carry on from verse uh, 23, it says there how it relates to us. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also, it says. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The point is this. When we believe that Jesus died for our sins, this is what it's saying, and he was raised on the third day, Paul tells us that we are justified, that we are declared righteous. When we look forward to the promises of Jesus, when we believe his words, When he says, whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be declared righteous by God. I hope um, you can see that uh, pretty much all we are doing is reading, really, Romans chapter 1 to 4, you know. And I hope it is also clear how justification happens in the Bible or how righteousness is achieved. Justification or righteousness happens when we put our trust in Jesus. Okay, Justification happens when we put our trust in Jesus. And when we do that, God declares us righteous. That's what the Bible says. And I wonder what your response is to that. Yeah, it can be a bit perhaps hard to stomach because essentially you don't do anything in some ways. Jesus does it all. And then what you are called to do is to believe and trust in Jesus. What he tells you to do how to live your life, what he has done on the cross. And I, I, I suppose our, our response ought to be that praise God. Praise God that uh, righteousness comes from God himself, from his grace. And all we have to do is put our trust in Jesus. Praise God that our righteousness is not down to our parents or ancestry. I mean, some people might be proud of their ancestry, but not all of us. Praise God that it's not dependent on our good works or 
social status or wealth or, or intelligence or whatsoever. Those are not the qualifications that God sets out. What He sets out as a qualification to be declared righteous before Him is when we trust in Jesus. And now to go back to the original question, when our Lord Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, are you ready to stand before God? There is a story in the Bible of a high priest who um, stood before God. This is in the um, prophecy of um, Zechariah. But this man, he was a high priest. His name was Joshua. And the story goes like this. Joshua was standing before God with dirty clothes. And Satan accuses him. He accuses him because he looked shameful. Because he was wearing dirty clothes before the king's courts. And he says, you are not fit to be a high priest. But God, in his grace, he takes off Joshua's filthy clothes and clothes him with new garments. And he says to him, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. That's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Because that is the picture that we have. We are, like Joshua, filthy because of our sin. But through Jesus, our advocate, we are made clean. This is what Jesus does for us when he died on the cross for our sins. He takes his clean clothes, so to speak, and he swaps it for our filthy rags. We take his righteousness and he takes away our sins. We take his reward and he takes the punishment that we deserve. God declares us righteous when we put our trust in Jesus. And, you know, hopefully on last time I asked the question, are you ready to stand before God on Judgment Day? I, I, I pray that each of you in this room, your answer is yes to that question. Yes, I am ready to face my Maker. Because I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And He rose again on the third day. As Paul affirms the first century Christians, the same words that Paul uses, he says, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, none whatsoever. So even if one might feel dirty or shameful or guilty, the past, present, and future sins we commit it's not even relevant when we stand before God because what God looks at when we stand before him 
is not our uncleanliness. He looks at Jesus' righteousness. So if you did not know what justification means, it is simple. Justification is when God declares us righteous because we believe and trust in Jesus. It's really as simple as that. There is nothing more to it. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you again for sending your son Jesus into the world to rescue us, to die for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that no matter how messed up we are, no matter um, how much we think, we cannot stand before you. We thank you that we do not have to stand on our own. We have Jesus who is our advocate interceding for us, ensuring that because we trust in him, that we are accepted before your sight. Amen. Amen.